Okay, Psalm 127. This is on page 518 of those Bibles in the seat. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it and la- build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Isaiah 40 says that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Amen? Father, please be with us this morning. Um, Unless you're building, unless you're watching, anything that we do is in vain. And I pray that you would help us to embrace a life of dependence on our creator God. In Jesus' name, amen. You all can sit. Uh, Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jordan Moore. (coughs) I play piano sometimes. I help lead community group around here. Um, And every once in a while, they'll let me preach. So here I am doing that. Um, And this morning, we're actually in the middle of a series. If you haven't been with us, we're moving through the Psalms of Ascent, um, which I'm realizing after singing this with you this morning, dependence really is a theme throughout these Psalms that we've been reading together. Um, And I'm excited to be in 127 this morning. There is a lot here. Uh, When Nathan reached out a few months ago and sent us the list, uh, the summer schedule, um, he said, hey, we want to hear from some different people. Y'all pick which one of these you want. And I thought, Psalm 127 is for me. Kind of felt like a no-brainer. Chelsea and I have actually set this to memory a little while ago, and it's about kids, and we've got a few of those. So it kind of seemed like, you know, like this is kind of my lane. This is what I need to do. But as I studied in preparation for this morning, um, I came to realize that Psalm 127 is about a lot more than children, um, than kids. In fact, what we hear about kids in Psalm 127 is actually downstream from another greater truth. Um, And we're going to talk about that this morning. There's a lot to unpack. Um, So I want to encourage you, if you don't have a copy of God's Word in front of you, either digitally or physically, Have the Bible open in front of you. It is alive and active, and uh, it will be largely beneficial for our time this morning. So let's just start at the top. First one, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil for he gives to his beloved sleep. This psalm is attributed to Solomon, and if any of you have ever read through Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, um, it kind of has that wisdom literature feel to it. It has that Solomon vibe to it. It feels, in tone, admittedly, a little bit different than the last six or so psalms of ascent that we've been through. Um, And what I want to do is, uh, as I start this morning, what I want to start with is what I think is Uh, the foundational uh, truth that Solomon is claiming here. And it's actually an essential reality to the Christian faith. And it's simply this. God is totally sovereign. God is totally in control. God is the decisive worker working in the world. God 
is the builder, the creator. He brings into being that which did not exist before. And God is the great watcher, watching over his world in which he's created. Watchmen in this time, the time that this would have been written, um, they were posted around the perimeter of a city, okay? And their jobs were to stay awake while the city slept, um, and if anybody were to come or danger were to come near, they would wake up the city, and then the city would be preserved and protected. And so it is with God and his creation, ultimately. I mean, we read God, unless God watches over the city, we should take that as uh, preservation language, protection language, not just mere idle observation. It's more. From the first page of the Bible, which is God's revelation to us about himself and who he is, he shows us his um, proclivity for building and creating, and he shows us his ever-vigilant watching and protecting and preserving nature. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created or built the heavens and the earth. The Genesis account begins with God literally building everything in the universe with the help of no one and from nothing. And when Adam and Eve fall and they fail God, what does he do in that Genesis account? He takes action to preserve his creation. He promises an offspring to Eve that would crush the head of the snake and set things right. And then he sends them out of the garden so they don't take of the fruit of the tree of life and presumably get stuck in the mess that they made forever. This is grace. This account in the beginning of the Bible sets the stage for the rest of the Bible where we see God ever faithful in building and watching through the pages of his word. God, and don't miss this, God is not idle. God did not set the universe in motion and then step back and just let it play out. He is completely in control and actively engaged with his creation. This is stunning. This is a stunning truth about who God is. And it's on this reality about God that the psalmist stands as he offers us a warning. Okay, let's go back to verse 1 and read it again. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over this city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. There's a phrase in here three times in the course of two verses. Did you catch it? In vain. A few weeks ago, our community group leaders and hosts met for one of several training sessions over the course of this summer, and our very own Miss Janice, and she probably hates me for even bringing this up, she taught us quite a little bit about the Bible and uh, Bible study, which was wonderful. Um, and we were reminded of the importance of paying attention to repetition in the word. Anytime we see a word or a phrase or an idea repeated over a short course of time, we should perk up and be attentive to what's being said. There's something that is being gotten across to us that we need to pay attention to. And we see that here. We see this repetition. Three times we're told that if God is not building as we build, if God is not watching over us in our watching, if God is not the decisive worker over us as we work. Then our building and our watching and our working is in vain, which is to say it is ultimately meaningless. That's quite a claim, 
isn't it? That's a bold thing to say, especially in our world today. Our world is full of people who are building businesses, running for political office, chasing the limelight of fame, hustling for their next big paycheck, many of them with, from what we would see, a great degree of success, right? With little to no regard for who God is or his purposes in this world. And as we read these first few verses, our minds might go to the business tycoons that we see in the world or the self-made influencers of our digital age. And we might think, here we have people building things in this world. And that seems anything but meaningless to me because they have all the money and power and influence that they could possibly ask for. How could their work without God possibly be meaningless is essentially what's going to gnaw away at us. To which I would point us to one place in the Bible, James 4, which you don't have to turn there. I'll just read it. Um, James poses a challenging question, and it's actually in the middle of a string of thoughts. Um, He asks, what is your life? And then he proposes that you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And here's the point. What we do in this world, apart from God, relying on our own strength, will not last. Just consider Rome, one of the greatest empires that ever was, which reigned for a thousand years, and all of the men that jockeyed for power and built these cities and reigned over this empire are now dead, footnotes in our history books, and they took none of what they built with them. And actually now you can fly across the world and buy a ticket with your kids and walk through the ruins of what's left. You know, it's like laughable. It's vain. Here's the point. Here's the main point here. There is a type of working that seems productive and fruitful, but is in reality nothing but anxious toil. This, that's how the writer Solomon here talks about this kind of self-dependent work. The vanity is that the earnings of your work come from a self-reliant anxious toil instead of a peaceful heart of work that is dependent on our Creator. And if you look at it, you'll notice this kind of deception, this kind of dual deception all over the place in our workplaces and jobs, all over our world. It's, and I call it a dual deception because people are deceived into believing that they don't need God, And then they're also deceived into giving themselves over into a lifetime of anxious, frantic, disappointed, angry toiling in which they work and work and work, never at peace, never satisfied. And then they die and they meet their creator and they have nothing to show for it. It's vanity. Satan would love nothing more than for us to embrace this godless way of self-dependent life. And perhaps one of the greatest illustrations of this self-dependent heart is at the top of Genesis 11. It's a real short story um, where the people of earth come together and they say to themselves, let us build a tower with its tops in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. And God, what he does in an act of preserving, protecting grace, he stoops down I love that the word says that the omniscient God had to stoop down to see the little tower that they made. He stoops down to see what they had built and confuses their languages and disperses them all over the earth. And it was a gracious act of God 
on these people because of their destructive, self-dependent, self-glorifying heart in which was motivating their work. The problem here and what God was addressing was not the fact that they were building something. God's got nothing against towers. The problem wasn't that they were using a new technology, the brick. In fact, I would say, and the Bible says, that that's part of what we were made for. That's part of what we were made to do. Part of the way in which all of us bears the image of God is by our ability to create and build and make things and invent new technologies. That's not what God was addressing here. The problem here is that they wanted to make their own name great, not God's. The problem is that they were seeking to glorify themselves and ignore God, which Solomon is saying is vanity. It's a path to destruction and one that is only meaningless. Now, I'm aware that in this room, because I know most of you in here, we would identify as believers, followers of Christ, not cut from the cloth that I'm kind of railing against over here, right? And we would say yes and amen to most of what has been said so far. But I think if we were being honest, we would admit that from time to time we see this self-dependent heart in ourselves, right? I think if we were being honest, we would admit that we all have a heart that, as the old hymn goes, is prone to wander, right? Prone to leave the God that we love. And we just sang about it in that first song. God has given us days that he has numbered. Um, we were made to walk with him. Though I look for worldly treasure and forsake the King of Kings. How can we sing that as Christians? Well, it's because it's an experience of the Christian life. We put the weight of the world on our own shoulders like Atlas, even though that's not what we were made for. It's all too easy for our hearts to bend inward and begin to rely on ourselves, on our work, on our understanding of the way that things need to be. And you know what happens is we experience this anxious toil. We begin to be anxious for tomorrow or maybe even just the next few hours. And then we lie in bed at night thinking about all the stuff that I haven't gotten done today and that I need to get done tomorrow and that will never get done. I feel confident that most of us have experienced this anxious toil and it creeps in like an unwanted, uninvited virus. For those moments and for all of us, we all experience this. Maybe you're in one of those moments right now where you just can't seem to shake this anxiety, this self-reliance and let go of it and let God be God over you. <clears throat> Psalm 127 has this beautiful word for you, and it's in verse 2. It's simply this, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Brothers and sisters, beloved in Christ, you are dearly loved by God. That is never not True. I don't know if it's a double negative, but it's never not true. God will never, ever waver in his love for you. You can take that to the bank. You can die on that hill. God loves you, and he will love you forever. And you know what God does for those that he loves? He gives you sleep. He gives you rest. There's an implication here that sleep comes from God, not from how well you did in your work week or how good you did in your parenting this week or how school went 
for you this week. Sleep comes from the Lord and from a heart that depends on him. I know personally how hard it is to accept this. Our hearts just don't want to do it. Our hearts just don't want to let God be God and accept that we are finite and dependent and then rest in peace. You know, I wrote that and I thought resting in peace is something we really reserve for the dead, right? Like we consider it so foreign to those of us who are living, we'll put it on tombstones. But peace and rest are exactly what God is offering his beloved right now in life. I have a quote here that I think is so helpful. Um, It's from a pastor that's been a pastor a long time. And it goes like this, quote, Sleep is a parable that God is God and we are men. God handles the world quite nicely while a hemisphere sleeps. Sleep is like a broken record that comes around with the same message every day. God is in control and we are not. God is in control and we are not. Don't let the lesson be lost on you. God wants to be trusted as the great worker who never tires and never sleeps. He is not nearly so impressed with our late nights and early mornings as he is with the peaceful trust that casts all anxieties on him and goes to sleep. Isn't that amazing? It is a difficult pursuit to cast your anxieties on God, but it is a worthy pursuit and it will change your life. And it takes practice to preach against the falsehoods that are in our own hearts. So start today. My challenge to you would be to just memorize these first two verses and then preach them to yourself every day. Preach to yourself that God is in control and he loves me and he offers me rest. I can rest. Now those two verses in and of themselves are enough for us to stew on for quite a while. Kevin said something last week that was really good, which is that these, are, these psalms are meant not to take like glancing blows from, but really to just to sit in for long periods of time. So I would invite you to sit in these truths that we're receiving today from the Lord and his word. But the psalmist doesn't stop there. He goes on and looks like he takes a bit of a left turn with children, right? It's like, what has three through five got to do with one and two? But what the psalmist is doing here is that he's giving us a profound illustration, an example of God's building and preserving work in children. All of the things that Solomon could have picked as an example of how the principles in one and two play out in three through five, and he chooses children, Let's go to verse 3. There he says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. We see this idea of the Lord building a house play out here in verse 3, but the house is not one like we would think, like brick and mortar and a roof. It's like a house of a family, like the house of David or the house of Abraham. The building that we're talking about here in verse 3 is the building of a family. And we are told where children come from. Our children are from the Lord. And they are a reward. Verse 4 refers to them as a blessing from the Lord. That is not how our society talks about children today, is it? 
It's not. Children are commonly looked to as inconveniences or mistakes sometimes. When the Bible calls children a blessing, a reward from God. So I want to call you all to something. When you're at work in the break room or you're talking to your neighbor in your street or you're at school with your fellow students and somebody makes some spiteful, flippant comment about how kids are the worst, you can say respectfully, standing on the Bible, you know, I don't think I agree with you on that. I think children are a reward and a blessing. Can we be the people who are waging war on these false ideas about kids by simply saying what God says about children? And who knows, maybe you can, maybe they've never heard that. Maybe they've grown up their entire lives thinking that I, as a kid, am a problem, and now those kids are problems, and the way that the Lord could use you is by simply saying, hey, children are a gift. Children are a reward. You might get a look. That's okay. Go and get a look this week by saying something true and biblical and right and wage war on these false ideas about our children which bear really bad fruit in our society. Children are a heritage from the Lord and a blessing and a reward. Another way that this connects is that children are hard work. And I know I'm not going to find any disagreement with that statement in this room whatsoever. Raising kids is hard work. God has really blessed Grace Harbor with all of these kids, and I hope you recognize that. Part of the blessing, and I know it doesn't seem like a blessing sometimes, but part of this blessing in kids is that these kids push us to a greater dependence on our Lord. They do. They show us often our own weaknesses and limitations, right? They do. Parents, this is for you, do not allow your heart to give way to self-dependent, anxious, angry toiling in your parenting. Daily, daily, give yourself to God as one who is totally dependent on his grace. He will sustain you in parenting. (laughs) And there is rest to be found in just the simple fact that what you're doing with your kids isn't wholly dependent on you and your performance and your work in it. He gives to his beloved sleep even in parenting. Finally, we see this idea of the Lord's watching and protecting play out in the final few verses. Let's read it one more time. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Here's the image. We are given children from God. We raise them from our youth. We form them and shape them and sharpen them like the arrows of old preparing to fire them into the world. And then when we grow old and we can no longer protect ourselves, we are then preserved when we meet with our enemies because our grown children stand with us. That's the image here. I want to share a personal illustration. I've actually seen this before. A little before Chelsea and I got engaged, uh, my papa, my grandfather, passed away. His name was Jack. He was the one that we named our Jack after And he was one of the godliest men that I've ever known. 
And in my preparation for this morning, and as I read these last two verses, I was reminded of my papa's last few days on earth, lying in a hospital bed, surrounded. I really thought I could do this without crying. Isn't that silly? He was surrounded by his children and even his children's children as he went to meet his last enemy, death, and then on to be with his king and unrest forevermore. Isn't that a beautiful image? It's the image that God has given us. It's God's vision for house building and for children. We build, we preserve, we raise children, all as beloved, restfully, totally depending on our God. Here's where I want to land the plane here. Uh, Isaiah, you can come up. Y'all can go ahead and come up. You may be sitting there right now totally unsure if you even believe that God is there. Or you could be on the other side of that spectrum and feel the same thing, which is crazy. You've been a Christian for 20, 30 years, and you're just in a season of unshakable anxiety. Let me share this, and then we'll come to the table and we'll see. Lived out of dependence on ourselves. Keep us from anxious toiling. 